Amen. Uh, good morning, singles. Man, today I had to wear my coat because I need some extra anointing to talk to y'all. Because uh, we're going to get serious in here today. Amen. 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 Um, uh, this is uh, our singles uh, service, and um, so if you're not single, welcome, because it's, um, it's going to get a little warm in here, so please, I brought my own handkerchief just in case, amen? Uh, today, we are right in the middle of our Survivor series, and as you know, the first service is dedicated to uh, married couples, the second service to single people, and I want you, if you would, just open your Bibles to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Today, our topic is, let's talk about sex. Some of y'all already started squirming in your seats. Praise the Lord. Amen. Let's talk about sex. Amen. Somebody said, let's talk about sex. We got to talk about it. Amen? Amen. And the reason I wanted to do this message today is because most of us in here have never had the sex talk. When I was uh, growing up, um, my father uh, never sat me down and talked to me about sex. Uh, My father figured that I would figure it out all on my own. And um, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. So I grew up in a house where um, you had to figure it out from music, movies, and magazines. Come on now. Somebody know what I'm talking about. Hallelujah. How many of you were not always saved? Let me see. Oh, amen. Amen. So you all know that uh, it, it was music, movies, magazines that start with the letter P. Hallelujah. And mommy, <laughs> go ask your mother. Hallelujah. So here's what happened. My mother wasn't much, much better either. My mother's sex talk went like this. Wear a condom because I don't want any girl coming home pregnant. That was it. So, um, so between all of those other things, guess what I had to use? I had to use friends. And how many of you know that sometimes friends who are your age talking about the thing that you're talking about can pretend that they know something that they really don't know? Because they have a lot of talk, but they have very little brain. And so I used my friends. So my friends used to tell me all sorts of things. So I got a lot of misinformation. I got a lot of mistakes and a whole lot of myths. Hallelujah. Man, and I used to pretend I knew stuff I didn't know about either. So by the time I became like uh, 14, 15, 16 years old, I was thinking all sorts of things. In fact, where I grew up, man, my uncle used to celebrate me if I ever had sex. Man, if I was walking with any girl, he'd be like, man, you tap that? Except he wasn't saying that. He was saying some other stuff, which is worse than that. So the guys were celebrated, the girls were scorned. And you wonder, who did they think the guys were having sex with? It was a rough growing up. And some of us have had that kind of background. And so today, I'm going to give you the sex talk your parents never did. Amen. Touch the person beside you say, are you ready for this? Okay. Well, ready or not, here he comes. Amen. <laughs> First Corinthians chapter 6 is where we're going to start. And 
what I want to do is kind of set you up, just kind of let you understand a couple of things about sex before we begin. Because even though you say, you know what, Pastor, I probably know more about sex than you. You are probably right. But there are some things about sex that I'm going to tell you that you probably don't even think about because you got the kind of information that I got before I was saved. I got saved at 17. And when I got saved at 17, I decided I wasn't going to have sex anymore until I got married. And I got married at 27. Somebody say, help him, Jesus. <laughs> that was 10 long years, brother. Mm-mm-mm. But I made it. Amen? I made it. Yeah. I'm like the guy said, never would have made it without you. Never would have made it without you. And so the first thing that I recognize is that um, sex is not just physical. Let's talk about this for a sec because guess what? Society spends a whole lot of money trying to tell us, trying to explain to us that sex is just a physical act. That somehow you have a, this physical need and all you need to do is have sex to get rid of, to fulfill the need. It's kind of like hunger. You're hungry, you eat. You're something else, you just have sex. I won't tell you what that is. So, so it's like, it's like this, this, this thing, if you, if you watch TV, um, 91% of sexual acts on TV are committed between people who are not married. Think about that for a second. 91% of all the sexual acts you'll see on TV, and I'm talking about primetime TV, I'm not talking about some of that other stuff you watch. I'm talking about primetime. Primetime TV is between people who just met who, you know, live across the hall from each other in the apartment, who just, you know, people who, uh, they've known each other, but they ain't married. Nobody's married. We just, well, me and my kids were watching a, a show yesterday. It was um, uh, 12, what is it called? Cheaper by the Dozen. Old movie, I mean, PG, PG, old movie, Cheaper by the Dozen, Steve Martin, and all this, this comedy. And the only time, the only sex thing, any, not seen, but, you know, like, kind of suggestion, was between the oldest daughter and her boyfriend. Because the entire society tells us this, it's only physical, so what's the big deal? But think about this, if sex was just physical, why is it that it's easier to talk about a gang beating than a gang rape? If sex is just physical, why is it easier to talk about some uh, family member whooping you than about some family member sexually abusing you? It's not just physical, is it? If, if sex was just physical, why is it that people who, uh, so many people that I've met, who are sexually confused about their identity can trace a sexual incident in their past where they were hurt. Why is that? Or, or why is it when somebody comes to you and says this, you know what, I, I want to tell you something I've never told anyone before. It's not that they dropped and broke their arm. It's that somebody did something or they were involved in some sort of sexual situation that they just don't want to talk to about with anybody else. Are you with me so far? Because sex is not just what? Yeah, it's not just physical. 
And it seems to me that somehow we paint this picture that, hey man, we just got to get it on. Because it's a, this physical thing. When there is so much more to this than just the physical. You see, Paul is writing to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians. And here's the thing that he's trying to point out to them. Guys, this is not just a physical act. You see, in Corinth, Corinth was one of these uh, cities where uh, there would be uh, Greek gods and the people would go to the temples. And in the temple, as a part of worship, as a part of worship, they had uh, sexual, they had prostitutes, temple prostitutes. In worship. And so what would happen is somebody would go to the temple to worship their God. And a part of worshiping their God was having sex with a prostitute. And so Paul is writing into this situation, into this it's a society that is so full of sex and everything is okay. You can just do it with whoever you want. And he's writing in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Let's pick it up in verse 15. Let's look at this. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 15. I'm reading in the New King James. It says... Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? And the Corinthians are probably like, well, no, I never thought about it that way. Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? And he's talking about these, these temple prostitutes. But what he's saying is, should I take the members of Christ and then give it to anybody? Should I take the members of Christ and just give it to anybody. He said, certainly not. Or do you not know that he who is, say that word with me. Join. Come on, say it with me. So let's say it again. Join. He who is joined. Oh, you're in verse 15. I'm in verse 16. Do you know he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her. Okay. He who is joined to a harlot is one body with her. And so here's what he's saying. That word joined is a Greek word that means glued, cemented, fastened together. It's like super glue. And they're saying this, but we're not joining ourselves to anybody. We're just, we're just doing something. We're just enjoying ourselves. That was spring break. That was just somebody had, that was right in college. That was in my sorority. That was in my fraternity. That was just something that happened in the past. That's not me. I wasn't joining myself. He was saying, here's the thing. Every time you're having sexual relations with somebody, you're super gluing yourself to them. You hear me now? You're super gluing yourself to them. And then he says this, that when you super glue yourself to that person, you become one with the person. And what happens when you super glue? Have you ever super glued somebody? Um, um, some of you know uh, Gorilla Glue. Um, I've used Gorilla Glue sometimes to kind of put stuff together. But when you use Gorilla Glue and you, and you press it together, right? If you ever try and rip that apart, sometimes you'll break off the thing more easily than actually separate it where it's glued together. Like when you pull it apart, what happens is that parts of one side rip away from it and get stuck to the other side. Hmm. I know. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for your hand clap. Thank you, thank you very much there. Woo. All five of you, I thank you very much. That was awesome. <laughs> Because what, what's happening? Every time, here's what Paul is saying. When you have sex, you are super gluing yourself to the person. 
And if that relationship, if that sexual act isn't done in covenant with each other, if there is no covenant kind of surrounding that, here's what you do. You rip yourself apart and parts of that person end up in your soul. Man, I know I ain't going to get a whole lot of hallelujahs in here, but that's all right. Because how many of you know that this is some serious stuff? We got to talk about this. Amen? Amen. Because this is the same word that God used back in Genesis when He says the two shall become what? One, 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 one. Man, you're going to have sex. Guess what? You guys are going to become one. There's a problem with, with Matt and, and Pastor Matt and Shannon up here is how many people did they become one with? Because believe it or not, they're bringing parts and pieces of those people into the relationship that they're about to consummate. Oh, thank you very much. For the two, he says, shall become one flesh, but he who is joined, same word, glued to the Lord, is one spirit with him. So here's what he's saying. Look, you and God are glued together. So who are you going to glue yourself with next? Is it somebody who is in the covenant relationship with God and you? Or is it just somebody who doesn't plan to be one? So that's why, you know, um, that's why on the, on, the, on the bottle of the Gorilla Glue, it says, don't get this on your hands. Because <laughs> can I tell you something? You try to separate that thing off of your fingers, you know what starts happening? Man, your skin is going to come off your finger before that Gorilla Glue comes off your finger. You are one. Somebody say, you are one. You are one. And that's why every time you hear that song, you think about Johnny. Every time you hear that song, come on now, oh, come on, some of you know what I'm talking about. That, that, you drive, you're walking down the road, come on, and you just see, I say, oh my God, Johnny, Johnny, oh, I remember. Why? Because Johnny is in your soul, girl. There's some Johnny chunks in there. Every time you smell that perfume, man of God, you get deja vu. Jenny, 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 Jenny. Ha, ha, ha. Because Jenny in your soul. Jenny caught up in your soul. Because you don't ripped yourself apart. You see, sex is not just physical. It goes way beyond the physical into the very soul of a person. And so when God talks about sex, watch this. Do you know that God created sex? Because some of you think it was Jay-Z and Beyonce. Some of you all think you can learn more from them than you can from Jesus about sex. Somehow you think that God gets embarrassed when it comes to sex. Do you know that God created it and God here's a, God put the pleasure in it? Y'all didn't know that, did you? Man, he added that sauce, baby. Trust me. Because he could have made our sex just like the animals. You just kind of do it. You just get some puppies. That's it. They're done, right? No, 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 no. No, 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 no. God created it in such a way that there was pleasure inside of the sex so that y'all would want to do it. 
Hear me now. Because the sex is what creates, causes you to be tight. That's why the marriage, marriages need, we should flip this whole thing around. There should be 91% of people on, uh, on TV having sex because they're married. But the world has tricked us. Here's what the world tells us. It's more exciting to do it before you're married than when you are married. Hallelujah. It's, here's, here's the other thing. I bet you didn't know this. Sex before marriage destroys you. Now, I know you never heard that before. And so, we're going to help. We're going to help somebody here. Somebody say, oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Hey, let, let me tell you something. I, like, like I said before, I wasn't born a Christian, okay? I found Jesus at some point because I was lost. And so uh, I had to learn some things. Uh, look at the next verse, 1 Corinthians 6.18. Look at verse, verse 18. Here's what it says. Um, 1 Corinthians 6.18. Let me find it in, in my Bible here. It says this. Flee sexual immorality. Somebody say flee, flee. sexual immorality. All right, so Paul is saying, here's the, here's the deal, guys. You need to run from this. Don't resist it. Run from it. Like, you know, you, if both of you are lying down in the bed together, that's not running. Man, if you got that far, you're not running at all. Man, you don't even need to be in the same house together. Hello. The door, listen, I, 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 made, I made a commitment when I was uh, going out uh, with my wife, Samantha, when we were younger. We made a commitment. Listen, man, every door will be open. There will be every opportunity for others to see us. Because we're not putting ourselves in a place where I can't run through the door. <laughs> run! You got to get up and run. But here's the deal. Flee, and here's what, sexual immorality is. Well, pastor, what is sexual immorality? All right, I'm going I'm to explain what sexual immorality is by telling you what sexual purity is. Sexual purity is one man, one woman in marriage. Oh, man, that's simple, eh? One man, one woman in marriage. So guess what? Anything out of one man, one woman in marriage is sexual Immorality is really easy. So if you are not one man, one woman in marriage, run. If you're not one man, one woman in marriage, run. Why? Is it because God is just against sex and God is just, no, 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 no. Look at this. It says, next verse says, every man, every sin that a man does is outside the body. But he who commits sexual, sexual immorality sins against his In other words, here's what he's saying. Sexual immorality falls in a whole category by itself. Not because it's worse. Not because God doesn't forgive it as much. Not because he's upset about it. No. He's saying sexual immorality is the only sin that you damage yourself at the deepest level with. You damage yourself. You hurt yourself. It, it, it starts to erode your soul. Just like the gluing and the separating, gluing and separating. After a while, what happens is that all of that becomes raw and tender. And you want to protect it. And you want to guard it. And you want to cover it. And so when the time comes for you to have true intimacy with the person you're married to, you're so damaged in your soul that you can't open up in the way that you need to open up. 
You see, the purpose of sex is to unite a man and woman in a deep, intimate bond. So there's a, there's a spiritual transaction that takes place every time you have sex. Every time you have sex, even if it was just that one night, even if it was a spring break, even if it was somebody you didn't know. Listen, every time you have sex, a spiritual transaction takes place. So when you glue together breakup, glue together breakup, glue together breakup, your soul becomes a little bit more numb. And you become less vulnerable. And when you become less vulnerable, you become less intimate. Because intimacy is the purpose of sex. Listen, you can have sex without intimacy and it means nothing. But God didn't create it that way. God created you to have the best sex of your life if you would be most intimate with the person you're having sex with. Some of you are saying like, man, I never heard sex said so many times in a message. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. Because we need to talk about this. See, it's not just physical. It's not just physical. Uh, uh, w- w- what happens after a while is that then after your soul gets that, then you start using sex to keep people. You start using sex to keep people because what you're really longing for is intimacy. And you're afraid that the person won't be intimate with you unless you have sex with them. And so you hold on to them by sex. Somebody help me. You're hoping sex will create intimacy, but sex doesn't give birth to intimacy. Intimacy should give birth to sex. Man, I'm hot. Is it just me? Am I? Look at Proverbs chapter 6. I'm going to show you this. Proverbs chapter 6. It says, sex outside of marriage destroys the intimacy that sex within marriage is supposed to produce. I'm going to say that again. Sex outside of marriage destroys the intimacy that sex within marriage is supposed to produce. In other words, you hurt yourself when you have sex outside of marriage because it causes you to have less intimacy within marriage. Uh, look, look what the writer of Proverbs says. Proverbs, uh, we're going to look at chapter 6. But the man who commits adultery is an utter fool. That's heavy right there. I ain't calling anybody that. I'm just saying what the word says. Amen. For he does what? Say it loud. For he destroys himself. He destroys who? He destroys himself. Look at this. Look at the next verse. Verse 33. He will be what? Wounded and disgraced. His shame will never be erased. When you have sex outside of marriage, you destroy yourself because you create wounds in your own soul. There is wounds in your soul. And what happens is that you get a situation like Pastor Matt and Shannon and they get together and they're like, well, I don't want to tell them my full story lest they reject me. So I only tell them part of the story. Because I have some disgrace stuff and I have some shame stuff and I don't want to expose that. But if I don't expose that, then I'm not truly vulnerable. And if I'm not truly vulnerable, then I'm not truly intimate. And so I write a story for my life that I don't really want to tell. Well, I 
write a story about my life that I don't want to tell. I don't want you to read that chapter. Because that's the chapter that might cause my relationship to break up. So I can't be totally open to you. And can I tell you something? Maximum pleasure in sex happens when I can be totally open to the person. That's why God reserves it for marriage. Because I'm not staying in the relationship because of sex. I'm staying in the relationship because of covenant. The sex comes with it. I want you to understand this. I'll give you an example. It's like Christianity. Like, just like Christianity. Sex and Christianity are the same thing. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. All right. Let me explain how this works. Because I know that God loves me, because I'm already convicted of that, I'm committed, I know without a doubt, I am not behaving righteous in order to gain His pleasure. I'm not doing it so that He can accept me. I'm not doing it so I can make it to heaven. I already got that. So now I'm doing it free from fear. Are you with me? I'm free from fear. Why? Because I understand the covenant that God has made with me when He sent Jesus to die for me. So I don't have to fear Him rejecting me ever, ever, ever. When you get married... The covenant ought to be the security that causes you not to feel like you have to perform for the other person to stay. And what happens when you're having sex outside of marriage is that you're not sure if the person's going to leave or not, if they're going to reject you or not. So you have to keep up. You have to keep up. You have to keep up. And that is filled with fear and shame and covering. And so there is no vulnerability. There's no total honesty. There's no total openness. There's always something you're covering up. And you're hurting yourself. Are you receiving something this morning? Amen. And so, so here's what he says. He, here's what he says. Because sex is not just physical. Sex is spiritual. Sex is very, very spiritual. Look at the next verse um, over in 1 Corinthians. Man, this is good. This is good. But I wish somebody taught me this years ago. Amen. Uh, look, look what it says. Verse, six, verse 15. Or do you not know that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then make them the members of Christ, make them members of a harlot? Certainly not. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her, for the two shall become one? Verse 17. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit. Verse 18. Free sexual immorality. For every sin that a man commit does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Verse 19. Or do you not know that your body is the what? Is the temple. Somebody said, my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You ever walk into a church, especially one with stained glass windows and one with like Jesus on the cross, sign up like Jesus on the cross. You ever gone into a church like that? And as soon as you walk in, I mean, you can be outside, you can be, hey man, everything's cool. Da, da, da. As soon as you walk in, you go, all right. And so, hey, look, I'm going to go up to the front. All right, you just sit here and wait. Everybody starts whispering. You know why? Because when you walk into that church, you see it as God's house. Man, this is a holy place. Man, let's keep quiet. Let's not disturb the peace. Can I tell you something? That's not God's house. This is not God's house. You are God's house. You are God's house. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Look, the same reverence that you have for a building, 
you need to have that reverence for yourself. You need to be like, hey, you can't come up in here and do that. Hello? This is God's temple. You don't do that in God's house. Man, you ain't going to do that in this. No, 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 no. You got to protect this. You got to say, hey, listen, back off. Because this is the temple of the Holy Ghost. And we ain't going to do none of that up in here. Listen, I need some men who are going to stand up and say, listen, man, I ain't doing none of that. I ain't doing none of that up in here at all. I ain't, so, some of you need to be, you sitting there watching TV, you say, I ain't watching none of that. I ain't listening to none of that. I ain't doing that. I'm going to cut it off because this is the temple of the Holy Ghost. We're not going to defile this. Amen? And so he said, God, you, don't you not know that the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? And he's making reference to the fact that they used to go to temples and used, used to have sex with prostitutes. And he's saying, no, 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 no. You can't do that. You've got to realize that you are the temple. That doesn't mean nothing. You are the temple. You've got to keep this holy. You've got to keep this right because God is living in you. For when we realize that this is the temple of the Holy Spirit, here's what we realize too. The next verse says, for you are not your own your body I know that I know what the movies say I know what people say hey look it's your body you can do whatever you want with it that's not that's not what the Bible says the Bible says you are not your own listen to this you were bought with a price God said do you not know how much I spent so that I could take care of your body I could live in your body. I could be able... Listen, God values your sexuality to the place where He's willing to send Jesus to die for it. And when we sleep around with people who are, we're not in covenant with, we're not married to, when we do that, we cheapen sex from the value that God gave it down to the place where it's just a physical act and it has no impact on our lives. And then what happens is that it affects us so that we can't enjoy it to the place that God had put it in its original condition. Are you with me? Well, um, my, my kids and I went to the Rangers baseball game the other day. And while we were there, we, we actually ended up in the booth, in one of those booths, really, you know, nice. And um, the guy who, who owned the booth, he's a jewelry maker. He makes jewelry. And um, so he was showing us around and showing us some of the stuff. And he actually makes the jewelry right there. And he took out this one piece, beautiful, beautiful piece. And, and he took out the piece and he was showing us, you know, and he had on like, you know, cloth. He was holding it with a piece. Of, you know what I mean? He wasn't even touching it. You know, and he was rubbing it and he was showing us. And then um, my daughter reached out and touched the top. You know, said, oh, that's nice. And touched it. And he took it back quickly and he rubbed it off and everything else. And I realized, you know what? My daughter isn't valuing that ring to the same extent that he is. So she was willing to smudge it because she didn't recognize the value of it. But he didn't want anything to touch it or smudge it at all. So he had to rub it off again because he understood its value. When you don't understand the value of sex, you let anybody touch it. You let anybody touch it. Oh, you can smudge it. Smudge it. Smudge it up. 
Smudge it up. Come on. Smudge it. No, no. Good, good. What are you doing? Good, good. You got to value it. You got to rub it up. No. Come on, nobody touch this. Come on now. Come on now. We're going to be like MC Hammer. Can't touch this. can't touch this. You can't touch this. Man, the reason why God says don't have sex outside of marriage is because He is interested in the quality of your sex life. I know you ain't never heard that in church before. God is interested in the quality of your sex life. Watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this. Right, because He wants you to have the best mind-blowing sex you can. But it won't happen if you don't value it the way he does. If you don't value it, then you will cheapen it. And it will never give you back the kind of joy that it was meant to. It will never happen. Come on, talk to the person beside you. Say, it will never happen. It will never happen. It will never happen. It will never happen. Here's the third thing I need to tell you. Third thing you never heard from your parents. Purity now paves the way for intimacy later. Say that with me. Purity now paves the way for intimacy later. One more time. Purity now paves the way for intimacy. You see, intimacy is knowing someone fully and being known by them fully. Intimacy is knowing someone fully and being known by them fully. So great sex is a byproduct of intimacy. Because once I know someone fully and they know me fully, then I'm, I'm really very open. It's when, when, when Adam and Eve were together, they didn't even know they were naked. So guess what? They had great sex. There was no shame. But as soon as they sinned, what happened? They started to cover up. Because all of a sudden now, they want to cover up areas of their lives instead of giving themselves fully to each other. Because they're shame. So great intimacy happens when there is no shame, there's no fear, there's no regret, there's no fear of rejection, there's no fear of losing anybody. Because it sets you free from having to perform. Huh. Um, Proverbs chapter 5. There's, this whole chapter in Proverbs chapter 5 is about um, sex outside of marriage. And you should read it sometime, but, but here's what it says. Um, in, 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 in Proverbs right here, the, the woman's sexual organs are seen as a well or a cistern. Well, same thing. Or as pastor would say, cistern, whatever he says. <laughs> Some of y'all laughing at pastor, he won't even say anything to his face. So I'm just telling you right up. Right? But a well or a basin. So, and a man is seen as a fountain or a spring. If you need someone to explain that to you, we have counseling sessions at the church. <laughs> Mondays and Tuesdays after, afternoons. Okay? All right. So, here, so here's what. So the writer is, is speaking to men. Here's what he said. Drink water from your own well. Say amen. amen. Drink water from your own well. Share your love only with your wife. Look at this next verse. Uh, why spill the waters of your springs in the streets having sex with just who? Come on now, say it again. Who? 
anyone. Why, why, why are you doing that? Why would you do that is what he's saying. Look at the next verse. Next, next verse. You should reserve it for yourselves. In other words, reserve it for the person that you're getting married to. Not before you get married. After you get married. Because I know there's sometimes you think, hey, you know what? We're together. We're going to get married so we can start spilling our spring. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. No. In marriage. Amen. You should reserve it for yourselves. Never what? Share it with who? Listen, man. Don't share that with nobody. Stranger danger. (laughs) Come on, church. Let's behave. Let's behave ourselves. Here we go. Let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. What, watch this. Look at this next verse. Oh, this is so good. She is a loving dear, a graceful doe. Let her breasts satisfy you. This is God speaking. Somebody say amen. Amen. Let her breasts satisfy you always. May you always be captivated. And our word for captivated is intoxicated, drunk with her love. But here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Oh, hold on. Don't capitalize. Here, here's, here's the thing. Here's what he's saying to him. Listen. If you reserve it for her, you will be captivated with her. Oh, you got to hear this. If you reserve it for her, you'll be captivated with her. Here's what happens a lot of times. Because we keep doing this. Because we keep doing this. Because we keep doing this. And we become dull when we're in marriage and we're having sex. We're wondering, why is it that there isn't this connection that we used to have before? And the problem is, it wasn't reserved for now. It was spilt all over the street. And you open up an appetite in yourselves. And here's what the appetite does. The appetite says, it's more exciting to do it when it's not legal. (laughs) And you get an appetite for the forbidden. You get an appetite for the secret. You get an appetite for the hidden. You get an appetite for that which is done in the dark. So when it starts happening in the light, you go, what's missing here? You have stirred up an appetite to do things that are forbidden. And because you've done that, when you're married and some girl or some guy starts to flirt with you, all of a sudden some excitement starts again and you're going, oh, maybe I'm not in love with her. Maybe I'm really in love with this one. No, you're not in love with anybody. You're in love with darkness. You're in love with doing it in the dark. So here's the deal. Practice purity now. Because can I tell you something? 10 years. Somebody said 10 years. 70 to 27, 10 years. But can I tell you something? My wife has never questioned me when I said, Babe, I'm running late coming home from work. You know why? Because she said, if he could do it then, he certainly is doing it now. See, you don't, have to quest, you don't have to question somebody who lived pure, watch this, when they didn't have it. They're going to live pure when they do have it. The problem happens when they couldn't live pure then, you start wondering, can they still live pure now? I'm talking to somebody, I know I'm talking to somebody. I, I don't know who I'm talking to, but I'm talking to somebody in here today. Drink water from your own cistern. <laughs> Drink water from your own cistern. Amen? 
So when you say of sex until marriage, that's when it becomes fulfilling. I said purity now, purity now leads to intimacy later. Purity now leads to intimacy later. I do not regret the 10 years of dryness. <laughs> I do not regret the 10 years of walking in the wilderness. Hallelujah. Come on, some of y'all know. Some of y'all even passed me with 10 years. Some of y'all like, 10 years, man, I'm going 25. Can I tell you something? 10 years is long enough. Amen? But here, here's the reason. And I'll tell you this. There is no married couple you can ask, hey, listen, do you wish you had more sex before you were married? And they go, oh, yes. I wish I had it at least two more times. Nobody's saying that. <laughs> Nobody's saying that. There is nobody who is saying, man, now that I'm married, I wish it happened more often before. Nobody. Because once you get married, you realize, what was I thinking? What the enemy does is he puts up this thing in front of you and makes you feel like, you know, huh, is it about the past 10 years? Man, I can't make that kind of sacrifice. <laughs> Can I tell you something? I won't give you a quote from... Andy Stanley, I, I love this quote. L look at this quote. It says this. Giving up something now for something better later isn't a sacrifice. It's an investment. I'm going to say it again because you need to write this down. Giving up something now for something better later isn't a sacrifice. It's an investment. Giving up something now for something better later isn't a sacrifice. It's a what? It's an investment. So, I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to sit down and we're going to close right here. Today you have a choice. And the choice is simple. You can write the rest of your story. And there are one or two, one of two ways that this story can go. And here, here, here's, here's the first one. The first one, it can go like this. When I was young, I grew up, I didn't really understand sex that much or about God's way for sex. So I had some, a couple of relationships. I got into a couple of situations. But now that I've found you, girl, I ain't never sleeping with anybody else again. Or your story can go like this. And when I was young, I was growing up, I really didn't understand God's standard for sex. I didn't understand how he valued sex. I didn't understand all of that. So I was in a couple of relationships and did some stuff maybe I shouldn't have done. But one day, somebody invited me to this church. I don't remember the name. I just knew it was in a school. I expected to see a tall, dark, and handsome man. Instead, I got stuck with an Asian guy that has a Jamaican accent. I think they call them Jamaicans or something like that. Anyway, in that, in that, in that service, in that message, I, I heard for the first time how much God values sex and how much God values me. And so from that day, I decided I was going to save it for the person I would marry. And baby, I'm glad I'm marrying you because I saved it all this time just for you. Let me ask you this. 
Which one would you like to hear when you're about to get mad? Because the one you'd like to hear is the one you should tell. Bow your heads with me real quick. I know there's some stuff that got stirred up and I want to let you know that God's grace is sufficient. That he didn't give all he gave to then leave you in a place where he couldn't restore you, where he couldn't heal you, where he couldn't do all the things that he wants to do in your life to make you that bride, that, that groom that is able to give themselves fully to the person you get married to. So today I want to encourage you, I want to let you know that there is forgiveness and grace extended, there is restoration extended. There is nothing that God cannot reverse. If you're here this morning and you just, you know you want to make that commitment, I'm not going to ask you to put up your hands, but I'm going to ask you to just, just silently, just with me right now, if you're making that commitment, you're saying, God, I'm rewriting my story starting today. I'm rewriting this story. And as of this day, I'm reserving this precious gift for the person that I'm going to marry. If you're saying that, then just say this after me. Just say, Father, just in your hearts, you don't even have to say it out loud. Just say, Father, in Jesus' name, I give you my body again. This is your temple. I choose to treat it like your temple. And I thank you for the precious gift of sex. And I choose not to allow it to be given to anyone but the person that I'm married to. So I dedicate myself to you. Help me to rewrite my story so there will be no shame, no regrets, no fear of rejection. I can be fully intimate with the person you're bringing into my life and them with me in Jesus' name. If you're here this morning and never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then I want to give you an opportunity.